Act Four of the Gay Lord Quacks by Arthur Wing Panero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Fourth Act. The scene is the same in every respect as that of the first act. On the right, Miss Claridge is manicuring a young gentleman. On the left, Miss Moon is putting her manicure table in order, as if she has recently disposed of a customer. Miss Limbert is again at her desk, busy over accounts. The door-gong sounds, and after a short interval, Quacks and Frayne enter, preceded by Miss Huddle. Frayne appears particularly depressed and unwell. Quacks, nodding to Miss Limbert. Good morning. Morning. Quacks to Miss Huddle. Miss Fulgarney has not yet arrived, you say? Not yet. Quacks, looking at his watch. Twenty minutes to twelve. Yes. We've never known Miss Fulgarney to be so late at her business. I do hope she hasn't been run over and injured. Or murdered by tramps. My dear young lady. Well, one does read such things in the halfpenny papers. And she went down to Richmond yesterday afternoon, you know, to Fauncy Court. Of course I know. And slept there. Oh, did she? And has come up to town this morning. Then she'll have gone home, I expect, to change. That's what she's done. Slightly disappointed. Well, I should have been sorry if anything had happened to her. Naturally. So should I, though I'm quite new here. It never gives me any pleasure to hear of people having their limbs crushed. Or being murdered by tramps. Won't your lordship take a chair? To Frayne, who has wandered down to the window. And you, sir? The young gentleman, his manicuring being finished, has risen, paid Miss Limbert, and departed, followed by Miss Claridge, carrying her bowl and towel. The door-gong sounds. Is that she? No, that young gentleman leaving. Miss Moon, carrying her bowl and towel, and Miss Huddle, after exchanging a few words with Miss Limbert, withdraw. Frayne to Quacks biliously. How revoltingly hideous these gals look this morning. Same as yesterday. You're seedy. Frayne, closing his eyes. Oh, shockingly seedy. Sitting. I'm in for a go of malaria, I fear. Shame of me to have routed you out of bed and bothered you with my affairs. Sitting. But you can quite understand, Chick, how confoundedly anxious I am as to the attitude Miss Volgarney will adopt towards me today. Quite, quite. Harry. Yes? What champagne was it we drank last night at Richmond? Quacks with some bitterness. Ha! Ah, Felix Pobel. Cut door. Frayne shaking his head. I can't take champagne. Can't you? I mean, I oughtn't to. Oh. Referring to his watch again. I've given you a pretty minute account of last night's tragedy, Chick. I'll do what I can for you. Those were the Fulgarni's words. Good Lord, they came at me like a bolt from the blue. Does she intend to act up to them, eh? That's the question. Surely she'll act up to them, Chick. Have you met the ladies this morning? Yes, except Muriel, who didn't show at breakfast. How did you find them? Amiability itself. They know nothing. Rising and looking down upon Frayne. You see, Chick, 
All that Miss Fulgarney has to do, if she hasn't already done it, is to tell a trifling taradiddle to Muriel considering the events of last night. Well, in effect, she has promised to do that, hasn't she? Eh? Frayne gloomily. Frankly, Harry, I shouldn't be in the least surprised if the jade sold you. Quacks his jaw falling. You wouldn't? No. Phew, I should. By Jove, I should. I have conceived a great aversion to a, a long, scraggy gal. As full of courage as a thoroughbred. Frayne, closing his eyes. I can picture her elbows. Sharp, pointed elbows. The barbed fence of the spiteful woman. Pooh! Yesterday she was alluring. Frayne, rising painfully. Yesterday? Harry, do you know there are moments when I feel that I am changing towards the sex? When I fancy I can discern the skeleton, as it were, through the rounded cheek? You? Yes. This novel sentiment is undoubtedly gaining possession of your old friend. Gradually, perhaps, but surely. Quacks regarding him searchingly. Excuse me, Chick. Did you turn into the beefsteak when you got back from Richmond last night? For an hour. Oh, a great mistake. What, a little whiskey on top of the champagne? Frayne, gazing pathetically at Quacks with watery eyes. A good deal of champagne. Underneath a lot of whiskey. The door gong sounds. Who's this? He walks to the entrance and looks into the further room. The Fulgarni. He returns to his former position as Sophie enters, quickly followed by Miss Claridge, Miss Moon and Miss Huddle. Sophie, dressed as at the end of the first act, is pale, red-eyed and generally unstrung. She comes to Quex, disconcerted by his presence. Sophie, confronting him. Oh, good morning. May I beg a few moments? Uh, certainly. I'll just take off my things. He joins Frayne. She goes across the room where she's surrounded by her girls. Oh, Miss Fulgarney, how ill you look. You do seem queer. Just as if you were sickening for something. Miss Limbert, coming between Miss Claridge and Sophie. Quite ghostly. I'm all right, girls. I've had a bad night, that's all. Giving her umbrella to Miss Claridge and her bag to Miss Moon, who passes it to Miss Huddle. Here, hi, take that beastly bag. To Miss Limbert, who is removing her hat. Oh, don't waggle my head, whatever you do. To Miss Moon, who is pulling at her jacket. Tear the thing off. Stripping off her gloves and speaking in a whisper. Girls, I don't want to be disturbed for five minutes. Very well, Miss Fogarney. Sophie, glancing at Quacks and Frayne, who are now looking out the window, with their backs towards her. If Miss Eden should happen to turn up before I'm free, just mention who I'm engaged with, will you? Yes, Miss Fulgarney. That'll do. What are you all staring at? Haven't any of you ever slept in a strange bed? The girls retreat hastily, each carrying an article belonging to Sophie. Quacks, advancing a step or two. I am exceedingly sorry to see you looking so fatigued. I didn't close my eyes the whole night. She drops the portiere over the entrance and approaches Quacks. Well, my lord? I have ventured to call upon you, Miss Fulgarney, in the hope of ratifying the excellent understanding with which we parted last night. 
sophie pointing to frayne well but er uh... oh oh yes to frayne who has turned away frayne to sophie i have taken my old and trusted friend sir chichester frayne into my confidence in this regrettable business indeed i thought it desirable there should be a third party perhaps you're right one needs a third party when one has the honour of meeting your lordship checking herself excuse me quacks pleasantly with a slight bow of acknowledgment before we go further i may tell you that her grace has informed me of what passed between you this morning nothing passed precisely the lady beamed upon me for all the world as if she was an angel spending a saturday to monday here below and i dressed her hair for her just as if i didn't want to tear it out by the roots and then she turned up her eyes and said she hoped every happiness would attend me and went downstairs to prayers will you allow me to to thank you you needn't oh by the by the lady gave me a a keepsake she called it endeavouring to extract some bulky object from her pocket i mean to burn the thing once i found out what's inside it but i can't get it open here it is she exhibits the little box covered with brocade which quacks has returned to the duchess in the previous act by jove sophie simply eh uh i was wondering what she can have put in that little box yes i wonder pulling at the lid it's locked i fancy it has one of those brahma locks which snap i may have a key he produces his key-ring and promptly selecting a key unlocks the box fortunate coincidence she opens the box and takes out the first thing that presents itself the blue silk garter with the diamond buckle sophie scandalized oh my gracious i beg your pardon she leaves him hurriedly and hides the box in the cabinet quacks quietly to frayne chick she has passed the souvenirs on to miss Volgarni. how like a woman some women pa yesterday she was loring frayne waving the past from him yesterday <laughs> turning away apologetically the heat in this room he walks away as sophie returns to quacks quacks to sophie well i must not detain you longer miss Volgarni. but there is of course one point upon which i should like to feel completely assured you have seen miss eden no not since last evening when do you sophie looking away i'm rather expecting her to pop in here during the day quite so and and then sophie facing him candidly your lordship told me last night that your little visit to the duchess was a perfectly innocent one absolutely innocent i fear i cannot go further than that frayne fanning himself with his handkerchief by gad why not harry we're in miss Volgani's hands to sophie uh, his lordship went to her grace's apartment solely to return some gifts which he had accepted from her in the uh dim distant past and to say adieu sophie witheringly i knew she was a double-faced thing looking at quacks relentingly but perhaps one has been a little down on you you have it in your power to atone for that amply at any rate you behaved in the end like a gentleman to me last night and so when i see miss muriel yes i am going to tell her a lie 
Miss Fulgarney, I... I... Oh, I said I'd do what I can for you. And this is all I can do. Oh. Just to give you a chance. Chance? Drawing a deep breath. You place my happiness beyond danger. Sophie, impulsively offering him her hand. I wish you luck, my lord. He takes her hand and wrings it. Frayne, who has opened the window for air. Hello. Sophie, turning nervously. What? Frayne, looking out. Isn't this your friend, Captain Bastling? Bastling? At that window? Frayne moves away to the circular table and sniffs at a bottle of scent. Quacks goes to the window. Quacks looking out. Yes. What's old Napier up to there? I... I heard Captain Bastling mention that he was thinking of having his hand read by Mr. Valma some time or other. No. <laughs> Leaving the window. He doesn't see me. I won't disturb him. A convenient arrangement. It is possible to transfer oneself from the manicurist to the palmist without the trouble of putting on one's gloves. <laughs> yes. Quacks, pausing on his way to the entrance. Miss Fulgarney, may I ask if you and Mr. Valma have fixed upon the date of your marriage? Oh, we shan't get married yet a while. Not for a year or more, I fancy. In that case, I shall hope to have the pleasure and the privilege of being present at your wedding with my wife. Sophie hanging her head. Thank you. Chick? He goes out. Frayne, turning to Sophie with dignity. Miss Fulgarney, one thing I desire to say is that your behavior this morning completely obliterates the... Oh. He's cut short by another hiccup and, with a bow, withdraws. Pollitt appears at the window. Sophie goes to the entrance and watches the departure of Quacks and Frayne. Pollitt enters the room. The door gong sounds. Sophie. Sophie turning. Oh, Valma, dear. Pollitt, with a heavy brow. Captain Bastling is waiting at my place for Miss Eden. Is he? Dearest, during my brief, but I pride myself, honourable association with palmistry, this is the first time my rooms have been used for this sort of game. This sort of game? Other professors have stooped to it, but I... Oh, no. It is playing palmistry a little bit too low down. Surely it's quite harmless, love. A couple of young people meeting to say goodbye. From what you've told me, I greatly doubt that it will be goodbye. D d do you? Anyhow, I resent your being the go-between of this gallant captain and a girl betrothed to another man. You, who are naturally such a thorough lady. Oh, oh, Valma. She drops her head upon his shoulder and whimpers. D dearest, what have I said? Valma, I've made up my mind. I intend to do exactly what you wish in the future, in everything. I'm going to give up squatting down here, manicuring gentlemen. Sophie! And she'll simply sail about these rooms, overlooking my girls in the plainest of silks. And never again will I interfere in an underhand way in other people's affairs on any account whatever. Putting her arms around his neck. Yes, you shall find me a lady. A lady. Oh. The dogong sounds. She raises her head and dries her eyes hurriedly. Is that Miss Eden? He crosses to the window as she goes to the entrance. Miss Limbird appears. Here is Miss Eden. Sophie with a nod. Give me half a minute with her, then I'm at liberty. 
Miss Limbert disappears. Sophie comes to Pollitt. I'll send Muriel across directly. He departs. Miss Limbert returns, and holding the portiere aside, admits Muriel. Muriel is wearing a veil. Miss Limbert withdraws. Sophie meets Muriel. They kiss each other undemonstratively. Sophie constrainedly. Well, darling. Muriel in the same way. Well, Sophie? You're here, then? As you see. Any difficulty? No. The Duchess and Mrs. Jack were coming to town shopping, and Lady Obridge proposed that she and I should tack ourselves on to them. How have you got rid of them? Spoken the truth for once. My head really does throb terribly. They think I've run in here to sit quietly with you while they... Oh, be quick, Sophie. Quick, dear. Why don't you tell me? Tell you? About last night, this woman. Her Grace. Yes, yes. Oh, why, I haven't anything to tell, darling. Haven't anything to... You see, I couldn't help remembering what you'd called me. Mean and despicable and all the rest of it. And the feeling came over me that you were right, that I had been sneaky. And so, after I'd attended to Her Grace, I... I went straight to bed. Muriel, sitting. Oh, yes. Then you didn't attempt to... to watch? No. Oh. Aren't you glad? Glad? Why, you were certain that the word or two I'd overheard meant nothing wrong. I said so. Said so? Muriel, turning to her with clenched hands. Yes, but at the same time you put the dreadful idea into my head, Sophie, and have not been able to dismiss it for one moment since. Oh. Sitting. Muriel, lifting her veil. There, you can see what I've been going through. Sophie, looking at her. I'm so sorry. Muriel, looking at Sophie. You look rather washed out, too. Haven't you slept either? Sophie, turning her head away. Not over well. Then, after all, it would have been better if I had spied on her? Anything, even that, would have been preferable to this uncertainty. Sophie to herself, her jaw falling. Oh. Muriel, looking towards the window. Has he arrived? Yes. Muriel rises, then Sophie. Muriel, producing from her pocket a jeweller's case and showing it to Sophie. Do you like this? I've just bought it over the way at Grachet's. For Captain Bastling? Muriel, with a nod, opening the box. A solitaire shirt stud. She retains a neatly folded piece of paper, which is enclosed in the box, and hands the box to Sophie. Beautiful. Glancing at the piece of paper in Muriel's hand. What's that? Muriel, unfolding the paper carefully. This goes with it. She holds the paper before Sophie. Sophie reading. To Napier. Muriel, withdrawing the paper. Ah, uh, no. Mayn't I? Muriel, yielding the paper impulsively. Yes, you may. Muriel turns away and stands leaning upon the back of the screen chair on the left, with her face in her hands. Sophie places the jeweller's case upon the circular table. Sophie, reading with difficulty. To Napier from Muriel. I only... What? You have blotted it. Muriel, with a sob. Have I? You've been crying over it. Yes. I only... I can't read it. Muriel, through her tears. I only... No. We loved in vain. I only feel... 
Farewell! Farewell! Very nice, darling. She lays the paper tenderly upon the box and goes to Muriel, eyeing her keenly. You really are determined, then, to wish him good-bye? Muriel, turning to her and weeping upon her shoulder. Oh, Sophie! Sophie! There, there. It'll soon be over. Muriel, raising her head. Over, yes. Yes, over. And perhaps it's all for the best, you know? For the best? What I mean is that very likely we've both of us been a little cruel to poor Lord Quex. Hard on him. Muriel indignantly. You say this to me? You say this after having poisoned my mind and given me an awful night of sleeplessness and doubt. Yesterday I was as firm as a rock. Today I'm as weak as water again. Facing Sophie with flashing eyes. Oh, I tell you, honestly, you better not let me meet Captain Bastling this morning. You better not let me see him. The door gong sounds. Bassling appears at the window and looks into the room. Sophie, whose back is towards the window, soothingly. No, no, you shan't go across to Velma's while you're like this. I'll make an excuse for you to Captain Bassling. Bassling at the window. Muriel. Muriel, passing Sophie swiftly. Napier. Sophie holding her arm. Darling. Muriel freeing herself. Release me, Sophie. Release me. Ah. Oh. She joins Bassling, and they disappear. As Sophie goes to the window and looks out after them, Quex enters, followed by Frayne. Quex glancing round the room. Miss Fulgarney. Sophie turning sharply. Hey? Oh, my lord. I am compelled to intrude upon you again. I have just met Lady Albridge, with her grace and Mrs. Eden, in Sackville Street. My aunt sends me with a message to Miss Eden. Miss... Miss Eden? Mrs. Eden has proposed a lunch at Prince's, provided that Miss Eden feels equal to... Looking about him again. Where is Miss Eden? Where? She is here, with you. N no. No? I haven't seen anything of her. Really? No. Strange. He walks away and joins Frayne. Sophie stealthily closes and fastens the window. Chick? Eh? Miss Eden is here. Why is the Fulgarni telling me this falsehood? You will remember I was positive she would sell you before she'd done with you. Quex, gripping Frayne's arm. Don't. Advancing to Sophie, politely. I understood from my aunt, Miss Fulgarni, that her ladyship left Miss Eden at Grissier's, the jeweler's, less than half an hour ago. Sophie, fussing with the objects upon the cabinet and the manicure table. Oh? Miss Eden had some little commission to discharge aggressiers, and intended coming across to you immediately afterwards. Ah, then, she hasn't finished her business at Gressier's yet. Yes, because I looked in at the shop on my way here. Funny, I can't imagine where she's taken herself to. Miss Fulgarni. My lord? I thought we had become good friends, you and I. So we have, I hope. And that you were desirous of rendering me a service. Well, aren't I, my lord? Are you? You know that Miss Eden came to you directly she left Gressier's. You know she did. Yes, I... I own it. Ah, Miss Fulgarni. 
She has been in, and I have done you the service I promised. You have? Indeed I have, as true as I stand here. Steadying herself. But the fact is, the fact is Miss Eden had a purchase to make that she didn't wish the ladies to interfere over, and, and she has run out for ten minutes. If your lordship must know where she is, she's in the Burlington. Oh, she has run out for a few minutes? She might be a quarter of an hour. Not run out? Flown out at one of these windows? One of these windows. Quacks, pointing to the entrance. She has not gone out by the door? What do you mean? Your young ladies assured me just now that Miss Eden was in this room with you. Frayne, possessed of an idea, has gone to the door in the partition. He now raps at the door gently. No, no, Chick. Please, we are not policemen. Frayne, opening the door a few inches. Miss Eden, I regret to learn you are suffering from headache. Well, of all the liberties. Frayne! May I tell you of an unfailing remedy? He peeps into the private room, then withdraws his head, and says to Quex, No. Sophie, flouncing up to Frayne, and speaking volubly and violently, Now look here, sir, I'm a busy woman, as busy and as hard-working a woman as any in London. Because you see things a bit slack, Ascot week, it doesn't follow that my books in a hundred little matters don't want attending to. Sitting at the desk, and opening and closing the books noisily, and I'm certainly not going to have gentlemen, whoever they may be, marching into my place and taking possession of it and doubting my word and opening and shutting doors, exactly as if they were staying in a common hotel. I'd have you to know that my establishment isn't conducted on that principle. Quex has been standing, with compressed lips and a frown upon his face, leaning upon the back of the chair near the circular table. During Sophie's harangue, his eyes fall upon the jeweller's case and the scrap of paper lying open upon it. He stares at the writing for a moment, then comes to the table and picks up both the case and the paper. Frayne to Sophie while this is going on. My good lady, a little candor on your part. I don't understand what you're hinting at by a little candor. You've already been told where Miss Eden is, and anybody who knows me knows that if I say a thing... But when your young ladies declare... I'm really not responsible for the sayings and doings of a parcel of stupid girls. If they didn't see Miss Eden go out, they were asleep. And if they weren't asleep, they're blind. And as I've explained till I'm hoarse, I'm very busy this morning, and I should be extremely obliged to you two gentlemen if you'd kindly go away and call again a little later. Jack. Eh? I want you. Frayne comes to Quex, who hands him the jeweler's case and the slip of paper. Sophie, fussing over her books, oblivious of what is transpiring. As if the difficulty of conducting a business of this kind isn't sufficient without extra bothers and worries being brought down on one's head. What with one's enormous rent and rotten debts, it's heartbreaking. Here's a woman here on my books who runs an account for fifteen months with the face of an angel and no more intends to pay me than to jump over St. Paul's. Quacks, who again has possession of the jeweler's case and to paper. Miss Fulgarney. What now, my lord? Upon my word, it is too bad. Please come here. Sophie, coming forward, now on the verge of tears. After such a night as I've had, too, I never could do without my full eight hours. Be silent. What? Miss Eden and Captain Bassling. Eh? They are acquaintances, friends. With a stamp of the foot. They are on terms of... Oh. Quacks, pointing to the window. She is with him at this moment, there. Whatever are you saying, my lord? Discovering that he has the jeweler's case and the paper. Ah. Uh... Yes, I found these upon the table. She advances to take them from him. Miss Eden left them here. Forgot them. 
Yes. He gives them to her. She puts them into her pocket and sits. Come, tell me. You, you are not the only one in the field, my lord. So I conclude. Have pity on her. How dare you? It's more my fault than hers. Continue. She has wanted to stop it, hating herself for being deceitful, but I, I've encouraged her, egged her on. Yes? They've been in the habit of meeting here at my place. Quacks again pointing to the window. In this fellow's rooms? Mr. Valma's? Sophie rising. No, no, they've never met there till this morning, but he, young Bastling, he's going away, abroad in a fortnight or so, and he wished to say good-bye to her quietly. Quacks, turning towards the window fiercely. <sighs> Sophie, laying her hand upon his arm. Be careful, my lord. Quacks, looking at her. Careful? I know how she feels today. If you want to send her to Hong Kong with Captain Bastling... Quacks hesitates for a moment, then crosses to Frayne, to whom he speaks apart. Chick, how shall I act? Dear old chap, to be quite honest with you, I was not wholly captivated by Miss Eden when you presented me yesterday. Tush! What shall I do? Wait? In any event, of course, the man's head has to be punched. But it might be wise to delay doing it until... Quacks to Sophie. You spoke, a little while ago, of giving me a chance. I see now what was in your mind. There's a risk, then, that this goodbye may not be final? Well, I... Eh? Oh, my lord, recollect, she's not much more than a girl. No, she is not much more than a girl. But you, though you and she are of the same age, you are a woman. You know your world, upstairs and downstairs, boudoir and kitchen. Yet you own you have encouraged her in this, made her clandestine meetings with this penniless beggar possible. You! You deserve to be whipped, Miss Volgarney! Whipped! Sophie facing him. Come, my lord, not so fast. After all, remember, Captain Bastling may be poor, but he's Miss Eden's match in other ways. Match? Young and good-looking. Oh, and isn't it natural? Quite natural. Quite. Turning to Frayne. Chick, what an ass I've been. What fools we old chaps are, all of us. Why, if I had led the life of a saint, it would only be necessary for a man like this Basting to come along to knock me out. Good Lord, how clear it is, when it's brought home to you in this fashion. It isn't a scamp, the rue, a girl shies at. It's the old scamp, the old rue. She'll take the young one, the blackguard with a smooth skin and a bright eye, directly he raises a hand. Take him without a murmur, money-hunter though he be. Take him. By Jove, she leaps into his arms. Do you mean that bastling? Napier bastling. <laughs> Chick, he's just what I was at eight and twenty. <laughs> what I was. And worse, damn him. And she loves him. Sophie, who has been listening with wide open eyes and parted lips. It's not true. It isn't true. Quacks, turning to her. Isn't it? You think so, hey? No, I suppose you haven't experimentalized upon him. You haven't spied on him and tempted him as you tempted me. You have never got him into a quiet corner and stuck your impudent face in his. 
if you had oh he wouldn't frayne has walked away quex now joins him quex as he goes wouldn't he <laughs> to frayne fiercely what the devil am i to do jack punch his head sophie panting oh, oh. bustling indistinctly seen through the muslin blinds appears at the window he raps gently upon the window frame sophie glances at the window eh oh she goes swiftly to quax and frayne seizes them by the arms and pushes them towards the door in the partition saying agitatedly wait there don't come out or make a noise what are you up to now stay here till i find out what's happened oh i'll do what i can for you they enter the private room and she closes the door then she returns to the window unfastens it and retreats bassling pushes open the window and comes in bassling advancing to her excitedly oh sophie looking round anyone about sophie pointing to the left all my girls are in there where is she next door she's sitting down calming herself having her cry out crying she's all right awfully happy i told her i'd come and tell you tell me it's settled settled she's mine sophie yours we're going to be married at once next week we shall need your help still of course it must be a secret marriage she will follow me out by and by sophie nodding dully oh yes why aren't you glad about it smiling don't you congratulate us C certainly good and shaking hands with her thanks to you releasing her hand thanks sophie nerving herself for her task thanks a million of em what's the matter oh nothing yes there is come out with it well thanks tossing her head there isn't much in thanks bustling puzzled not much in thanks sophie turning away pouting i think not bustling smiling oh i know i owe a tremendous deal to the pretty manicurist and i don't intend to forget it just now i'm rather hard up glancing towards the window but i shall be in funds before long sophie turning to him with genuine indignation oh what do you want then sophie after a moment's hesitation sidling up to him not money not a little more than plain thanks though bustling looking into her eyes laughing softly ha 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 <laughs> thanks differently expressed she plays with the lapel of his coat and giggles he takes her chin in his hand ha 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 sophie <laughs> muriel appears at the open window and enters the room noiselessly seeing bassling and sophie together she halts in surprise bassling whose back is to the window i say mind no tales sophie looking at muriel steadily over bassling's shoulder likely i'd split on you isn't it honour bright oh if you've any doubt he raises her face to his 
and kisses her upon the lips warmly and lingeringly she goes back a step or two still gazing fixedly at muriel eh following the direction of her eyes he turns and encounters muriel the three stand for a moment or two without movement bassling after a pause speaking in a low voice his eyes avoiding muriel's well ha huh? i suppose every man makes a big mistake at least once in his life i've made mine at the same time i i oh all right with a slight quick bow to muriel he wheels round sharply and goes out sophie wiping his kiss from her lips oh the wretch the wretch the dogong sounds muriel covering her eyes with her hand and uttering a low moan oh sophie hanging her head you see darling yesterday at fancy court i i tried it on with lord quex and he behaved like a gentleman so the notion struck me that i'd treat the young man in the same way just to see what he was made of and well i'm glad you came in you might never have believed me the shirts that the stuff i wrote i left them with you sophie producing them i found them after you'd gone muriel takes the piece of paper and tears it into small pieces sophie offers her the jeweller's case muriel haughtily take that back to grecier's this afternoon please and tell them i've changed my mind say i'll have a little silver collar for my dog in its place she sinks into the screen chair with her eyes closed slipping the case into her pocket sophie tiptoes up to the door in the partition she opens it and beckons to quex who appears with frayne sophie to quex in a whisper Psst. it's all nicely settled she said good-bye to him for good what a fuss you made about nothing she points to the screen chair he approaches muriel sophie and frayne talk together muriel muriel opening her eyes startled quex i came up to town this morning with sir chichester we've just met aunt julia and the rest of them in sackville street mrs jack clamors for lunch at prince's what do you say muriel passing her hand across her eyes thanks it'll be jolly ah muriel laying her hand upon his sleeve quags eh muriel rising and speaking in a low appealing voice give me your word you have been loyal to me down to your very thought since our engagement quags earnestly muriel i <sighs> giving him her hand i believe you the dogong sounds and look here i haven't been quite fair or generous to you i'm afraid but i'm going to be different after today from this moment harry hey i won't keep you till the end of the year marry me and have done with it directly the season is over and take me away quex bending over her hand good heavens miss limbert holds the portiere aside and admits lady albridge the duchess of strood and mrs eden miss limbert then returns to her desk quex goes to lady albridge takes her arm and leads her forward aunt julia aunt my dear aunt julia the duchess joins frayne mrs eden comes to muriel and receives the news of the hastened marriage sophie moves away to the window 
quacks excitedly to lady albridge oh my dear aunt what ails you henry muriel she she she's going to marry me i hope so but at the end of the season a month hence a month a month a month my dear boy heaven prosper your union muriel mrs eden to lady albridge isn't this glorious news lady albridge but i always thought it unwise to protract the engagement you never know what may happen do you i must tell the dear duchess she joins the duchess and frayne and chatters to them lady albridge to muriel in a low voice muriel you are right in this life if you have anything to pardon pardon quickly slow forgiveness is little better than no forgiveness mrs eden coming to quacks congratulate you thanks lady albridge moves away joining the duchess as mrs eden returns to muriel mrs eden kissing muriel you sensible girl frayne comes to quacks old chap this is shockingly sudden Aha. however we must contrive you and i to pass one more evening together before the event one many no no i mean a buster harry a regular night of it good lord go away mrs eden joins lady albridge as frayne advances to muriel frayne taking muriel's hand dear young lady you are about to become the wife of one of the best there are not many of us left we're a dwindling band miss eden the duchess comes to quacks sincere congratulations he bows stiffly at any time you know when you return to england quacks eyeing her sternly yes after your honeymoon yes should you feel ennuyé i the air at burwarton never failed to exhilarate you so pray do not forget duchess that poor dear strood would be pleased to see you frayne joins lady albridge and mrs eden as the duchess advances to muriel dear miss eden may your married life be as beautiful as serene as my own thank you duchess we shall be a happy party at luncheon shall we go duchess muriel henry quacks joins muriel sophie is eyeing muriel wistfully miss limbert holds the portiere aside to allow the visitors to pass out good morning miss fulgarney good morning my lady miss fulgarney good-bye your grace the duchess and lady albridge go out frayne following them with mrs eden good day miss fulgarney good day sir morning sophie morning mrs eden frayne and mrs eden go out quacks following them with muriel good morning miss fulgarney good good morning my lord quacks and muriel go out followed by miss limbert sophie stands aghast her bosom heaving oh, oh, oh. the door gong sounds Paulette appears at the window sophie is wringing her hands oh Paulette entering my love what's the matter she she's left me without a word she muriel without so much as wishing me good morning oh when i've done what i can for everybody the portiere is pulled aside and muriel returns unaccompanied 
and comes to Sophie's side swiftly. Forgive me. You did it for the best. Kissing her. I'm sorry. Sophie, throwing her arms round Muriel's neck. Oh, my darling. Muriel runs out. Sophie goes to Pollitt and drops her head upon his breast restfully. Ah, that's all right. The door gong sounds finally. The end. End of Act Four and End of The Gay Lord Quacks by Arthur Wing Pinero.